0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, it's the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany coming up, which means a couple of things. Valentine's Day is coming, which is on the same day as... Ash Wednesday this year mm-hmm. in the little, you know, romantic, also you're going to die, consider your sin and mortality mashup. It's a great, it's a great thing. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like I I don't know. I don't know what it's like, but it's like something. But Jake, before we get into that, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, man. It's the fifth Sunday after the epiphany. We're cooking along, you know, and here we are. February's right around the corner and um, uh, yeah, so this is Groundhog exciting. Day. We'll, uh, we'll maybe be thinking about winter being over, potentially. Sure. Lord knows we want it. So, actually, this is the first winter we've had in New York in about two years, two and a half
0: years. So, anyway, <laughs> it's uh, kind of nice. But um, Well, you're making up for lost time. In Waco, it's 15 ever-loving degrees this morning, which is mm, not typical, let me no tell you. No, sir. No. Yeah.
1: I woke up, it was three in the city today. So, But uh, nonetheless, we can brag about who's
0: the coldest. Um, uh, I want to know how you're doing. Well... Thank you. Um, I am, uh, by the time viewers are listening to this, I will be in a psychodynamic state of uh, bliss, tranquility, and ease because the annual parish meeting will be behind me. And uh, Lord willing, I'll be gathering with uh, some clergy buddies for a retreat that will, um, uh, it's an annual thing we do to get together. And um, there's a lot of drum circles there's some ayahuasca that's involved, just some sweat lodges and uh, vision quests. Uh, Good is for how you. Good it. for you. Except none of that is true, except for the um, retreat part. But yeah. So,
1: well, we here we are, and. Um, you know, I really love how the opening colic begins. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sin. And really, that is what uh, the Christian faith is all about and what we should be doing as preachers of the gospel is not uh, binding people with more things to do, but setting them free with the good news of the gospel that comes with the liberty of that abundant life, uh, So, which is made known in um, your son, Jesus Christ. So uh, our readings today are Isaiah 40, verses 21 to 31. Uh, we have First Corinthians chapter 9 verses 16 to 23 and our gospel reading is from Mark chapter 1 verses 29 to 39. And uh, today, uh, before we jump in, I just want to give a shout out to my friend the Reverend Sam Owen, uh, who um, just um, saw me and uh, offered a prayer, and I love him for that. He's a good friend, and he's a regular listener, and so. and I uh, just wanted to give him a shout-out. Anybody you want to shout-out, Aaron?
0: No, but I feel a little resentful. You didn't clear this shout-out with me pre-show. <laughs> I feel totally blindsided. <laughs> well, I don't I know who this, know this is. Am I endorsing him implicitly by my yes, presence you on are. this podcast? I don't know. It's good stuff. Sam, I, I, I think I've heard good things about you, so I, he will, I will do that. He is no, the, I, uh,
1: he's the head of the New York-Haiti Project, and uh, which is a great mission, supporting Episcopalians in Haiti. So um, now, here Enough we are. Enough about Sam.
0: <laughs> Let's get on so, to Jesus. Uh, so, but first, we got to start with Isaiah. So, what do you want to say, Jake?
1: Well, uh, this is a very powerful part in uh, the uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah. You have verses, uh, you have chapters, basically one through thirty-nine, which um, are all about judgment and uh, basically what God is going to do to judge Israel for its unfaithfulness. And in chapter 40 is the beginning of a pivot in the prophet Isaiah. Um, And uh, it is a a pivot. The the people of Israel uh, and and Judea are already in captivity at this moment. And uh, there is the scene here in chapter 40 is a scene of hopelessness. It's a scene of frustration. Uh, It's a scene of, gosh, there are just a lot of things out of my control. And uh, man, if you have ever been there, then you can really relate to the people of Israel. And uh, you know, and a lot of people in your congregation uh, can relate, uh, probably, to this situation. You know, uh, we have a lot of people in our congregation who are can-do kind of people, and uh, they just, uh, you know. But there is something that they cannot fix. Uh, that 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 becomes a reality in life. And uh, and so God uh, delivers, and they basically there, they're at the end of the rope, uh, just. Nothing seems to be working out. And maybe they are forgotten. Maybe, uh, maybe there is nothing left. And uh, it is in that moment that God, you know, I really wish he'd deliver a word when you're on the mountaintop. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, it's in that moment that he delivers a word. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it been not told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I mean, basically, you get this description of this great and mighty God um, and uh, who is coming in to intercede and meet his people right where they're at. That's the setting and how I would set that up. What would you say?
0: Well, I just I'm I'm. What comes to mind is that phrase: "When in doubt, zoom out." When you're feeling really mm-hmm. overwhelmed with life, when you're feeling like, uh, you know, where is my help to come from? Uh, zoom out, get that bigger perspective. Um, and this is what God does for the people of Israel, saying, basically, go back to the foundations of the earth. Look at this one who creates things. Look at just get things in perspective. Um, you, you human being who've been who are who is in a difficult place. Um, God has been here since the beginning. He's gotten you through difficult places. Uh, He'll get you through this. And just to, yeah, put things in proper perspective, the things that seem overwhelming, um, are not overwhelming to God because God is before all things, in all things, through all things. So it's just a big reminder of what's true. I feel like so often when I get afraid or when I get overwhelmed, it's because I have forgotten what's really, really true, um, which is kind of how this passage ends. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creative ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. All this stuff to remind you of what's actually true. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And so there's a lot of hope in this. This is Isaiah 40 is where the famous... Uh, Passages, comfort, oh comfort, my people, which is in Handel's Messiah, and it's all this announcement about the Messiah is coming, the difficult times will be ending, the the sort of the the new reality is just around the corner. I know it's hard now, but it's it you know, it's darkest night right now, but dawn is coming. So that's kind of the the message here. So it's a it's a hold on for one more day, Wilson Phillips kind of thing. Um, you know that there's a, there's a change coming, and God has not forgotten you, and just. Uh, just don't forget the mm. the bigger perspective. So that's that's what I would say, and it, I think it is a very powerful uh, passage because there are people, I mean, in, uh, podcast hosts included, who feel overwhelmed at times and who um, who need help and and need this reminder to to look up and zoom out and that's see right. God and His reality.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about. Um, there's a great song by this uh, singer songwriter named Andy uh, Gillahorn. And uh, mm. he has a song called uh, "Different Now." I don't know if you've ever heard it, but um, nope, uh, it's. I it's really mostly good. just listen
0: to DC Talk, so I don't. I don't know mm. what
1: that is. I'd give it a listen if I were you. But anyway, mm. uh, you know, I love this I'll line that uh, I. Lo- <laughs> I love this line where God says to the people of Israel, "Why do you say?" That's really funny that you said that. I'll consider it. But anyway, uh, why do you say, "O Jacob," and <laughs> put it speak- on the agenda for next week? <laughs> yeah, I'll pencil you in. But anyway, why do you say, "O Jacob," and speak, "O Israel," my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Uh, you know, this is this is like oftentimes how we how we feel in life, and basically Andy Gillihorn says the same thing. Um, and I felt the holy water as a kid, but I, but still the love of God felt like a stranger. Had to live and die to become born again, baptized in the fire of all my failure. And uh, this is really where God is meeting them right now. You know, they tried to do it their own. And uh, well, you know, as that great say, that trope from AA goes, my uh, best decisions got me right here. And so, <laughs> but, uh, but it concludes with still have the flaws like I always did a capacity for violence that I'm asking God to take away. But I can look the world in the eye and make my amends with an honest life so the ones I love can say, oh, I'm different now. Oh, I'm different Mm. now. And uh, that is really uh, what God is saying is that, um, man, uh, uh, I've been always the same. Uh, but things are about to be totally different now with you, Israel, and mm-hmm. so uh, and uh, that's where it is. And so, uh, you know, uh, we uh, we may think that like God is always changing and His favor is very fickle, but the truth is is that He is is that colic says is the God who's come to set us free, and when He finally meets us right where we're at, we become the ones who are truly different now.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of different and how the gospel changes us, we can move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 23, which yeah. is where St. Paul talking about why he does what he does. Uh, many of Paul's letters in the background, he's got um, an argument going on where he is being accused of not being a legitimate apostle, being something of a poser or an, uh, you know, a latecomer to the apostle party. And his message is controversial, and he's got all these people that are, you know, kind of trying to pull him down, his detractors. And in this passage, he is responding to some of those uh claims, those haters. Um uh and one of the things that they are um that Paul is always getting in in trouble for one of the things is that his when he preaches the gospel, he does not, as some other people um collect a salary for mm-hmm. that or, or take up an offering. He doesn't uh, pass the plate and pass it again and lock the doors. And he wants to give it away free of charge. And some people see this as a sign of his untrustworthiness. Like if he was really a real apostle, um, if he was really selling something valuable, he would charge a high price for it, and sort of the, the Scientology way of thinking. But, uh, but Paul wants to give it away for free, and so he's explaining why he does that. He's also explaining this passage why he is seemingly so flexible with how he presents his message in different contexts. We'll get to that in a second. But this beginning thing, he says, basically, I I have to preach the gospel and I'm not trying to do it with for a reward. I, I That's not what I'm about. I want to make the gospel free of charge um, to not make use of my rights. Yeah, I could take a salary. I could do take a collection if I wanted, but I don't want to do that because I have to do this. Uh, I have to proclaim this message. It is Burning in my bones, and I have to get the message out. And I think this is a, a beautiful picture of someone who has been so transformed by this message of grace and love and forgiveness that he he just has to get it out there. Um, and so I think you can, if you're preaching this, ask your congregation, what what do you feel like you have to share? And if the gospel is something to you that you feel like you don't want to talk about, or um, maybe you don't fully uh, grasp this great love that you have, when someone is in love and feels loved, they can't shut up about it. And... Um, and I think that is one of the marks of somebody who has been really impressed upon, or struck by, hit by a smooth criminal of the gospel, who's been really uh, just captivated by this message of God's grace. And Paul is like that. And So I, I think I would, I would talk about that. You know, have you understood this good news? Is it something that has um, really landed um, in the deepest part of your heart and your soul? Um, and if not. A preacher, uh, you can say, well, let me try this out on you. You have been forgiven, full stop. Uh, you are loved, full stop, um, unconditionally by the grace of God. So, that's that's one thing I would start on uh, before I get to the, the um, I become all things to all people that I might, you know, save some, that passage, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Anything you would talk about, Jake, for the, uh, Paul's uh, obligation to proclaim the gospel?
1: Uh, No, not at all. I mean, I think you hit the the nail right on the head. Um, uh, And uh, this is Paul's, uh, he's been entrusted with a commission, you know what I mean? And uh, so you're absolutely right. There were folks coming around the Church of uh, Corinth. Uh, They were super apostles and uh, essentially, yeah, they were charging for their services. Um, They were charging for, uh, you know, they were charging for the preaching and charging for the sacraments. Now, that's not to say... That a workman isn't worth his wages. Paul will go on to say that in other places, and uh, this isn't an argument that we, uh, you know, uh, you know, clergy need a reduction. Uh, a lot of you need uh, definitely pay raises. Um, but what this is is that um, essentially what Paul is saying here in a very powerful way. And this is a word I think maybe I mean I don't know if it'll preach, but it's definitely a word for clergy. But that. Um, uh, we're we're not out here peddling anything. That's what, mm. that's what this is. This is something sacred, and uh, this is a gift. And we're not uh, we're not just uh, snake oil salesmen uh, peddling uh, peddling uh, nonsense. What we are um, and peddling good advice, and peddling you know uh, uh, spirituality. Uh, what we have are the very words of life. This is what uh, well this is this is essentially what Paul is lifting up. He has been given something that is divine, and it is a form of godliness that, unlike what a lot of people are peddling, lacks any power, uh, this is the power of God unto salvation. And so, uh, and this is why, uh, and this power of God, because God is the active agent in his life and the active agent in his proclamation, uh, well, then um, it's not about him, uh, but it's about the people he's been called to reach. And uh, really, uh, so this becomes the segue and the bridge into the second section of this, for though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. This really is the definition of Christian liberty. You know, we are a slave to everyone and a slave to none, as Luther says. And uh, this is really the posture of every pastor. You know what I mean? We're, we're constantly, one, evalu- like looking into the culture and seeing where people are at. Um, and uh, and meeting people right where they're at, not so that we can be cool and relevant, you know, we're so, uh, you know, but that's so, I mean, that's helpful, but so that we might uh, give them the, the goods. We might give them this uh, divine word that is the power of God unto salvation.
0: To the boomers, I wear khakis. <laughs> to the Gen X, I wear skinny jeans. And for the Gen Z, I wear the high-waisted, wide-legged jeans to reach out Gen to everybody. X
1: skinny jeans. I don't know what you're talking about, man. So, but, uh, I mean,
0: I don't know. Maybe I got that wrong. What, what <laughs> yeah. would you add? What kind of trousers?
1: Uh, Jenkos. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> oh, well, back in the day. But I feel like now that we're grown up, we don't wear those anymore. Yeah, I mean, we maybe wear, you do. Uh,
1: we wear chinos. So uh, anyway, but um, I'm just kidding. Who knows? But the point is, is though uh, that this, this is... Uh, this is the point is that he's under the new law, which is the which is Christ's law. Now, that's a very important thing um, that uh, can often get confused. It's not the law of Moses. It is Christ's law, which is the law of liberty and uh, freedom, because everything has been done for you and uh, because everything has been done f- uh, for you. I guess the point of the second paragraph is, is, you know, you don't have to worry whether you're wearing Jenkos. Or whether you're wearing chinos, or whether you're wearing skinny jeans or not. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you, uh, because your identity now is in the identity of, uh, of, of, of Christ and uh, the one who has uh, who set you
0: truly, truly free. You can do yeah. all
1: things to all people that you might save some.
0: Yeah, this is what's really amazing is that um, everybody wants to put people into categories, and we're very much Mm. into this today. But this has always been true. Um, uh, There have always been ways we like to say, well, I'm with this group of people. I'm with that group of people. And we do this with our uh, clothing. We do this with our political beliefs. We do this with our uh, church uh, piety and all these different things, and uh, this is something where where Paul is saying he's showing this remarkable flexibility, moving from tribe to tribe, group to group, and almost like a chameleon, uh, adopting the practices and and um, kind of ways of interacting of these different groups, so that he might win them. Um, uh, he, he says to those outside the law, become as one outside the law. Basically, if you're a Gentile who's eating meat sacrificed to idols, I will go to your party, I will eat your meat, uh, and I will try to win you to the gospel. If you're uh, Jewish and you keep kosher, I will go to your party and I'll uh, make sure I eat kosher and I'll wash my hands the right way and I'll sit with the people I'm supposed to sit with. And um, uh, he, he does all these things because to him, the important thing is not these... Uh, external identity markers. The important thing is the gospel and communicating that to people. So Paul's freedom in the gospel looks like this radical flexibility in in with people who might say, no, 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 you can't be that flexible. There's a right way and a wrong way to be. And Paul says, no, I'm free in Christ. And I'm going to put these other, the, the main thing is the gospel, not these other secondary matters. Uh, which, uh, gosh, we humans like to fight over secondary matters, but Paul wants to make the main thing the main thing, so keep doing that. Now, speaking of the main thing, we move to our Lord Jesus Christ and his work. Well, we've been talking about him the whole time, but now the gospel passage from Mark chapter 1. Jesus and his disciples are leaving the synagogue. They're entering uh, Simon and Andrew's house. This is in Capernaum, uh, this town right on the just hard up on the edge of the of the Sea of Galilee, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is she's got the flu, she's in bed, and Jesus. Uh, this is what I was doing on Monday, just recovering from the flu, and Jesus um, takes her by the hand, lifts her up. Always heals with a touch, almost always, and she's healed, and she begins to to take care of and show hospitality to the guests in her home, which is which is what she would would want to do in in that time. Uh, so you begin with this healing, but then there's this. You know, the sun goes down and then all these folks start showing up, um, bringing those who are sick or possessed with demons. And it says the whole city was gathered around the door. So think of, to quote Stefan, New York's hottest club. So everybody wants to get in <laughs> and they're all uh, trying to get around. And for those of you who just pictured Bill Hader, God bless you. Um, and uh, and there's a lot going on. There's people who are sick, there's people with demons, and uh, they the demons... Want to sort of shout out because they're like, we know you, Jesus, but Jesus wants to say, no, don't do it. Jesus, in the early morning after healing and exercising, meaning casting out demons all night long, uh, goes out to a deserted place to pray, and then people find him and they say, you gotta, they're looking for you, and Jesus says, I gotta go to the next place, I gotta get out of town and keep doing this work. So, what do you say about that to these sophisticated people of the 21st 21st century sitting in the pews or stackable chairs of your church? What do you say, Jake?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know. I mean, right here. So Mark, uh, Mark's Gospel has uh, several themes uh, in it when it um, when it uh, when it revolves around Jesus. There are several themes, and one of these themes is the idea of authority. And uh, what you see happening throughout Mark's Gospel is is that Jesus is the one who has authority both over the natural and the supernatural. And so this is playing out here. And so what you begin to see right away is uh, and uh, both the natural and the supernatural uh, create bondage in our life. You know what I mean, whether it be sickness, whether it be, um, you know, uh, uh, not you, but someone else, can be like a demonic stronghold. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I always find that people who deny the dem- not demonic are usually just a couple steps away from denying God eventually. And so, the demonic is very real. And so, but here we see Jesus is one with authority over both natural and supernatural uh, things that hinder us and bind us. And so, and we we see here right away is that Jesus is the protagonist in the relationship. Known as Simon's mother-in-law doesn't do anything. She doesn't get out of the bed and go to him. Uh, uh, um, Jesus comes to her. He comes to her and he takes her by the hand and he lifts her up and the fever leaves immediately, mm. and then she begins to serve them. So this is the other thing. So often the way we talk, we get it, we get it just totally backwards. We get the cart before the horse, and we think we better do something for God in order to get something from God, and that is just nonsense. Um, we um, we. Uh, we receive totally from God, 100% healing, and this becomes the freedom—not uh, just simply to lay on the couch and eat grapes, although you can. But it is the freedom hmm. to serve, and uh, and uh, you know, and so and she's not doing something to, like to God in order to get something back. This is a joyful response for the healing, and so then word goes out, and now uh, we're not just talking about the natural; we are talking about the supernatural. I mean, it's just like all who were sick or possessed with demons. So, yeah. I mean, there's like more than one. I mean, it's like exorcism seven. And uh, yeah. and they're gathered around the door. I mean, can you imagine a Peter's mother-in-law now? She's like, ugh. And so, um, thought she, you know, was tough to deal with before. So anyway, um, but... uh, uh he goes out and he begins to uh, do this. And why doesn't he permit the demons to speak? Well, he doesn't permit the demons to speak because, uh, you know, he's not interested in being a sideshow. Um, hmm. He is uh, he is interested in uh, people believing his words first and foremost and what's coming out of his mouth. And so, but here we see he's also... Um, he's also um, a human. He's fully human as well. And so this has taken a toll on him. Uh, but nonetheless, um, everyone is searching for you. And he says, I love this response. He's not like, hold on, just give me 10. You know, <laughs> just need a little more water. But he's like, let's go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also for this is what I came to do. And yeah. that is what he's come to do. He's not come to be a sideshow or an all around wonderful entertainer. Uh, but he has come to proclaim this message that that repent because the kingdom of God has come near you and uh, this message um, it didn't just stay in Galilee of the Gentiles either it has gone out to the very ends of the earth and now that message is working through you as you proclaim the good news of the gospel to your people today giving them something to cling to in the midst of the bondage that they find themselves in And, and clinging to that by the power of the Holy Spirit they are truly and once and for all set free
0: yeah I think that there's there's that's beautiful Jake and I think um, what strikes me too in this passage is just the sheer acknowledgement of the fact that many people are um, have spiritual realities in their lives that they can't free themselves <laughs> from on their own strength and um and jesus comes here to do that um there is a spiritual reality and jesus is very upfront about that and um and yeah it's it's so widespread it's not just this capernaum town it's it's all these other towns he wants to set people free so um i think there's power in the preached word there's power in the sacraments there's power in what christ does um and the presence of the holy spirit so preachers when you announce this message um uh give people a, a word of correct diagnosis that there's stuff in you that you can't fix on your own. Um, but Jesus is the powerful name that saves and can set free. And he does that here. And that's that's the message of the, of the preacher, of the church, of the body of Christ um, today. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, eminently preachable stuff. So let them have it. Give them the good news. Uh, Jake, you said something way early on, and I think it's so true just, and I'll call back to the beginning, just about the collect. Like, you know, this collect does so connect with this Mark passage, um, setting us free from the bondage of our sins and that liberty of abundant life. Like if people aren't leaving your church feeling freed on some level, um, Maybe revisit your sermons and uh, you want people to feel um, like a, a weight has been lifted, not another one added on to them. So yeah, um, so do that. That's
1: that a that's a great point. I mean, we talked about this, I think, probably a year ago, but uh, the, the key that's right in the beginning. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins. The implication there is that people are not morally neutral. Uh, the implication in that prayer is that we are bound by something. Mm-hmm. But if you believe people are morally neutral, if you be- believe people actually have a choice, well, you're going to begin to resent them eventually. And uh, your ministry is all about binding them. I mean, that's just the case. But if you really recognize that people are coming in and they're bound by things that are out of their control, some sort of sickness, some sort of relationship, and you give them the goods, well, then you realize your ministry, well, it's joyful because it's all about setting people free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I know that you yourself, preacher, are freed. You are set free from, yeah, the, from the law, and the gospel is for you too. So get in touch with that. Give that uh, message to your folks, and uh, happy preaching, and uh, happy February. Lent's right around the corner, so don't feel too good for too long. Mm, absolutely. Okay. All Until right. next time. All right. Somebody-